Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're speaking here on Flow FM with David Limbrick. He's the lead Senate candidate for the Liberal Democrats. How are you, David? Good, thanks. How are you, Ricky? Great, thank you. Now, let's just clear up. You were a state MLC for the Liberal Democrats, but you've resigned to run for the Senate. Have I got that right? That's absolutely correct, yeah. Under Commonwealth law, you're not allowed to uh, nominate to, uh, for a federal uh, position unless uh, you've resigned first. Yes, yeah, so I guess we all had the constitutional education in recent years about people who had dual citizenship, but that's one of the quirks of the Constitution as well. Uh, you had to give up your seat in the Victorian Parliament to have a crack at the Senate. That's right. All right. So uh, you would have seen it very much close hand. And I think Tim Quilty, your colleague from Northern Victoria, were also quite prominent, concerned about restrictions of freedoms in Victoria during lockdowns and the like. Um, is that one of the themes you want to take to Canberra? Look, it was certainly uh, been a big theme over the last two years. And um, uh, yes, you're right. It's something that we've been like uh, very outspoken against, you know, with some of the overreach that the state government's done. Um, with regards to, you know, what, what we take forward in Canberra, look, um, one of our policies from our Freedom Manifesto is we want a Royal Commission into the COVID response um, to look at, you know, what went wrong and, you know, what went right and look at all those things and hold people to account. But also, I think going forward, we need to focus on the recovery and, um, you know, how we're going to get everything back on track. So, you know, make sure that we've got our liberties restored again um, and make sure that the economy is, is in good shape for whatever challenges Australia might have in the future. And having interviewed some other LDP candidates like uh, Ian Marcos running in South Australia for the Senate, generally you're a party that supports deregulation. Coming out of the pandemic, it looks like the government's got a taste for running pretty much everything. Uh, you're going to be looking to get government out of business and let business get on with things? Absolutely, yeah. So we're, our party, the Liberal Democrats, is founded on the principle of individual liberty. And we think that... Um, you know, decentralising and getting government out of people's lives is a really high priority. As we've seen throughout the pandemic, the go- like you say, the government's, you know, trying to run everything now. And I think we need to wind that back as much as possible to let our economy flourish. When you look at the restrictions that were imposed during the pandemic, of course, used for that public health purpose, it did have a massive effect on businesses, not just large ones, but small ones and those in our regional communities. And in some cases, when you look at Melbourne, uh, that's where the sort of ground zero was for a lot of the cases. There were hardly any in, say, northern or western Victoria, and yet those businesses were drawn into all the restrictions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had a situation where... Um, the government was using sort of a, a blanket sledgehammer approach and not letting uh, individual businesses sort of manage risk themselves. They took this blanket approach, which, of course, can't cater for uh, local circumstances. And so, yeah, we had crazy situations where we had, you know, areas that had, had no COVID were locked down and shut down um, at the same time as other areas that, you know, had outbreaks and things like this. So, yeah, it's a, it was a it was a huge problem for especially small business through, businesses throughout the pandemic that didn't have the, you know, the resources to be able to survive something like this. There was government support, but then, you know, we, we're looking forward now, the, the hangover from all that, we've got this massive debt, both at a federal and state level, 
We've got um, all sorts of issues coming down the track, like uh, some of the uh, cost of living and inflation issues that have come from the restrictions and, and other things. So um, we need to get all that back under control. And what is your approach to getting those under control? I guess you'd support lower taxes and smaller government, but uh, is so you're going to be trusting, I guess, the business community to be able to drive the recovery? Yeah, so in our um, uh, Freedom Manifesto, which people can look at at ldp.org.au, um, <clears throat> we've got a lot of policies which are focused on uh, driving the, the recovery. So lower taxes, um, specifically income tax, will help with... Uh, uh, individuals and their cost of living pressures. So um, we're proposing to have a tax raise the tax free, free threshold to forty thousand dollars and have a flat twenty percent tax uh, after that. We're also proposing to permanently reduce uh, fuel excise taxes. Um, you know, diesel fuel feeds into everything in the economy. You know, every, everything's delivered with a truck. Um, so we think that that will have a really good effect on cost of living pressures. On top of that, we want to. Um, look at our uh, energy policy and how we've become, you know, basically we've set ourselves up so that we're permanently, uh, perpetually dependent on, you know, importing Chinese renewables and these subsidies. So we want to remove energy subsidies and also remove uh, prohibitions on technologies that produce carbon-free energy like nuclear technology. Yeah, on that one, on nuclear, you're talking about there. You're saying, like, you just remove the ban in the legislation federally that prevents a nuclear power plant from even being built? Or are you talking about a more steady-as-she-goes approach of maybe in a plebiscite or something like that on that topic? Look, we think that um, energy sources shouldn't be, um, you know, picked or picked winners and losers by the government. We think that if Australia's going to face the challenges of the future then we need every uh, technological means of energy production at our fingertips. So, yeah, we're supporting uh, lifting the the federal ban on nuclear technology. Yeah, it's interesting to note that during the conflict with Russia and Ukraine, Germany have backtracked on their rush into renewables and said they're going to keep coal going for a bit longer because they need energy security. I guess that's sort of the argument you're making here for Australia. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're in a situation now where we're, where, you know, if we look at Germany, like you say, they've made themselves dependent on importing uh, Russian gas through a pipeline to, to uh, supplement their renewables rollout. And they'd also been uh, shutting down their nuclear plants. And I think they're rethinking that now. And I think we need to rethink it as well. We've got massive uh, uranium resources. We've, got, um, we've already got a nuclear reactor in Sydney. It's not used for power, but that's very successful, been running for a long time. And we have to ask the question, um, do we want to make ourselves perpetually dependent on importing Chinese renewables? You know, these things only last, you know, solar panels and wind turbines probably only last, you know, 20 to 30 years, then you have to replace them again. Now, I imagine that you'll probably want to focus on not so much the large old-scale nuclear plants, but these small modular reactors. I know the Greens in the Senate like to poo-poo this uh, concept, but it seems to be something that's rolling out um, around the world. Yeah, well, like I say, we don't want government to necessarily pick winners and losers. We think that, um, you know, the first step is to remove the prohibition. And then if there's companies that are rolling out um, small modular technology, I know there's a, there's a lot of uh, US companies that are doing it, um, then, you know, make proposals and, and see if it stacks up. Interestingly, we're sort of already moving into the small modular reactor space because that's sort of the technology that they use in the nuclear submarines that they're proposing to purchase. They're small modular reactors as well. So, um, you know, it might be very helpful for us to have this sort of um, high-tech industry here.
Yeah, well, I guess if they can take the view that it uh, can be regulated to sufficient safety in the military to put a whole bunch of submariners underwater with a nuclear reactor, you could probably put it somewhere remote safely as well. Yeah, look, absolutely. And there's lots of applications. Um, some of the applications that they're proposing from the US are things like remote mining operations, which are currently very heavily dependent on um, diesel generators because they don't have um, transmission lines. Some of these small modular reactors, you know, they can basically fit them on the back of a truck. And, um, you know, they run for a couple of years and then they, um, they basically service them. So the way that they work is it's like a lease arrangement where they service them every two years. So, um, you know, financially, the way that they're, they're figuring this out, they're coming up with some really uh, innovative solutions. And I know that in Utah, there's a um, municipality that's planning on installing uh, small modular reactors. But, you know, again, like it's I don't think the government needs to be picking winners and losers here. We just need to make sure that we're not missing out on new technologies because of old prejudices from decades ago. Now, just lastly, for our farming listeners, knowing a bit of the um, experience from when the Liberal Democrats had a senator before, where would you stand on this whole free trade versus protection debate? Uh, I guess if you're talking about not picking winners or losers, you'd be looking down the free trade path? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're big supporters of of free trade. And I think free trade's been very beneficial for Australian agriculture, especially you know, you look at some of the agreements that we put together um, with with Japan, for example, when we did a negotiation with Japan to remove uh, beef tariffs, for example. Um, you know, we sold a lot of beef there. I happened to actually go over to Japan just after that. And they, they actually had a, a sign there at the local department store saying um, uh, free trade agreement sale. And um, they had all this Aussie beef and it was like just wonderful. It made me so proud to see that sort of thing happen. I think free trade is the way that we remain competitive, we remain connected to the rest of the world. And, um, you know, I think Australian agriculture has done an excellent job of, of dealing in a, in a global competitive market. Well, David, thanks very much for your time today. A lot of policy we've covered there and all the best for the 21st of May. Thank you very much. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.